What's up guys, Coach Jonathan here. This week we're gonna talk about the day my dad kicked me out. I'm excited to tell this story because this story comes back to me so many times in a year. It's one of the most profound things that happened to me in my life. Uh, it's one of the most memorable interactions I have with any human, I mean, and especially my dad because it really changed like my worldview in a split second. And so I wanna share the story with you and you know, talk about how it has affected me, how I look at it when I work with people who are trying to change, and just what it means for you know creating a better reality for us to live in overall. So, uh, 2009, I'm at my mom and dad's house. I'm in the storage building. It's a 30 by 40 storage building, and uh, it's full of of stuff. I mean, packed full, and I would get stuff out of there to convert into cash to go buy pills, whether that was uh, copper wire, um, old things to sell or pawn, you know, just whatever. I would use the stuff in the building to make money. Now, at first I would, you know, get things that were less obvious. So either really old stuff, stuff we haven't used in a while, or like my dad installed and serviced x-ray machines. And so like he would get like some of the power cables from it, you know, this, the, um, generator cabinets and all that and so like the wiring and the cabinets themselves the wiring was good uh good quality copper the cabinets were really heavy so like that was easy stuff to convince him even let him know i was taking it to get rid of it and convert it into money uh go sell it at the scrap yard but at this point i sold two tools I, I pawned them it was a biscuit joiner and a jigsaw and he was currently working on a project he had a Grumman Olsen bread truck that he used for catering when he would do, um, you know, cook, cook a whole pig, cook barbecue and stuff for people. And he was building cabinets in it. And so he was using the table saw, the joiner and the jigsaw. Now I left the table saw cause it's pretty big, but I took those two tools in the, in the cases and I went and pawned them. And so I had, I drew fresh blood by pawning something that was, he was currently using. And so he comes down to the building and he says, all right, where are my tools at? And I had the presence of mind to say, I don't know. Someone must have taken them when the building was open. Now, we had had that happen in the past. Um, we had a four-wheeler stolen at one point, and then we had a chainsaw and an air compressor stolen um, at one point. And it was when, you know, the buildings were either left unlocked or open. And so it wasn't that far-fetched, but at this point... I had been, you know, kind of acting criminally for a good year and, you know, been caught in all kinds of things from the previous summer up until this summer. So like the summer of 08 all the way into the summer of 09. So I tell him that thinking that I'm brilliant and he comes back and says, all right, that's it. I'm tired of what you're doing to everybody around here. You either got to get help or you got to get out. And I, I still feel the confrontation as I sit here talking about it. I remember it was hot. It's like North Carolina summer, man. So it was like end of June, early July, 2009. It's humid. It gets humid very, it's humid when you wake up. It gets hot very fast. It's like 90 degrees by 11 o'clock. You can hear the cicadas and I'm dope sick. You know, I'm like sweaty. I've got cold sweats. I'm anxious, all that stuff. But he said that to me and I still remember how I felt. Now, to back up a little bit, the year before that summer of 08 is when I started using pills every day. And so I'd always been getting high, but this was the first time I started like using pills literally every day. 
And so in 08, summer of 08, I'm using pills basically every day. I go back to college at Appalachian State in August. And then in September, I basically was like tired of both what I was spending on the pills and I felt like I wasn't getting as high and I had to drive back to home, which was like two hours or more away. And so I decided like I was just going to stop using it one day. And it was like a Tuesday night. And so the next day, Wednesday morning, I woke up and I was like really nauseous, cold sweats, anxious. I got to the point where I was dry heaving. Nothing was coming up, but a little bit of bile. And I remember thinking like, what in the world is wrong with me? I, I thought I was sick in some sense, you know, but I didn't connect the things yet. And so I go on like that for another day. And then finally I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And so I think, well, if I just go get high, I might feel a little bit better. That was the only thing I thought at that point. So got my car, drove home two, two and a half hours, went to the guy's house that I hung out with all the time and got pills from. And immediately went in, got some pills from him, didn't say anything at first, graded up the pills, sniffed it. And then I felt better within about five minutes, like amazingly better. And, I, and then I told him the story and I was like, yeah, man, you know, like I just stopped taking pills on Tuesday and this is how I felt. And he's like, you're dope sick. And I was like, what do you mean? Like I'm dope sick. And he's like, you're, you're dope sick. Like you're, you are physically addicted to opiates and if you don't use them, you're going to experience withdrawal symptoms, all that stuff that you're talking about. And, and, and that was the moment, September of 2008, that was the moment I realized I was a drug addict, at least in my own mind and the reality that I lived in. I was like, yeah, I'm a drug addict. Like I, I, I felt it physically, but deeply, emotionally, mentally, my identity was now that. I, had, I adopted that identity. And so from September 2008 till this moment of June 2009, I purely operated like that. Like everything I did was geared towards feeding my addiction. Like I didn't care who was in my way, what trouble I caused. Like, I, I mean, I was a criminal, man. Like I stole a gun, a gun at one point during the, that time um, from my neighbors. So people I knew, I knew where the gun was. That's like the fastest way to get a criminal charge is to steal a gun from someone you know. So I don't recommend doing that. I don't recommend stealing guns at all. But like if you steal a stolen gun, most of the time people aren't going to say anything. But you steal a gun from someone who um, you know and they're not a criminal, like that's the fastest way to get turned in. But just, just to tell you the type of stupid stuff I was doing, like stealing scrap metal from people's houses. Like I just, there was just a lot of stuff I was doing and I, I just believed I was a drug addict. And I believed it was what my life was going to be like from then on. I didn't really believe that anything was going to be different. I just accepted it as normal and that's how I lived. And so, you know, come back to this time with my dad and he told me that and he confronted me. And when he did, he said, all right, you got to go. You, know, you either got to get help or you got to go. And I remember standing there and he turned around and walked back up to the house. And in that moment, I had an experience I'll never forget. I remember him walking away, feeling the heat, feeling the sweat from the withdrawal, and then realizing I had a choice. It was the first time since the year before that I felt like I had a choice about what my world was like. Because like I said, up until that point, when I realized I was a drug addict the year before, when I went to the dope man's house and he was telling me I was having withdrawal and that's just how it was, I basically just thought that's how life was going to be. When he said that to me, he said, you either got to get help or you got to get out. I don't know exactly what happened. I have my ideas, but in that moment, I realized I had a choice. I had a choice about what I was going to do next. Now, 
I wish I could tell you that, that was the moment that I stopped doing everything hurtful to the people in my life. I was no longer a criminal. I turned it all around, but that wasn't the moment. However, from that moment on, I knew at all times I had a choice. So from that moment on, I always knew I was choosing to live how I was living, which makes it actually harder once you realize that. A lot of times in addiction or when you're in a certain pattern of behavior or a certain view of reality, when you accept or believe that that's the only thing, like it doesn't bother you as much. It only bothers you to the point that you complain about it or just have this like small inkling of hope that it could change, but you're not faced with searching the other options because you just don't believe that there's anything else. So like a lot of people feel like they're stuck because of their circumstances or what happened to them or, you know, whatever. And it's easier to live at that point because they just don't believe change is possible unless something outside of themselves happens. Once you, though, realize that you have a choice, then you have to admit that you're choosing to stay in the same place. And so that's what happened to me in that moment of time. I realized that I chose where I was and if I was going to stay there, no matter what, I was like, I had the option of what I was going to do next. So it... The way I look at this is... When I think about what actually happened, I believe that my dad imparted ownership to me is what he did. He imparted this idea that I had ownership of what was going to happen next. And I believed it to be true. Like he, he gave me the belief that I had control of what I, I was going to do. And it also meant that if I kept doing what I was doing, I was going to experience the consequences of what I was doing. And from that point on, it was always like a rain cloud over my head because I, I didn't get sober right away. I was still fighting with it and stuff, but I started feeling a little more guilt. I started feeling a little bit more sorry. I started feeling a little bit more guilty. And because of that, it started leading me towards making different decisions. Um, th this is such a big thing when it comes to change, because if you don't believe there's another option, then you don't believe it's even possible. So like for me, when I look back at this situation, like another big piece of it is my sister and mom and my godmother all were mad at my dad for doing this. They're like, how could you do this? How is this helping him? And I look back now and I think this is the most defining point in my life when he told me this because no one else was doing anything for me at that point. He, he made it very clear that it was going to be me. Like it was going to be what I chose to do. It was going to be my decision where I went. Now, what's cool is when I finally decided to get help, my dad was with me every step of the way. So as long as I was seeking help and following through, my dad was in 100% support. But as soon as I went the other way, if I chose some other way, he was 100% not in support. And I think that was so valuable because, again, it reinforced this idea that it was my choice. I owned the next step. I own the next piece. The ball was actually in my court. And whatever happened next, I could only say that I was responsible for. That's a huge part of change is change is, is about 
identifying what you can control and taking action in those areas. And Stephen Covey teaches it this way. The more you focus on what you can control, the things that you focus on, uh, that the things that are out of your control start to become smaller in your vision. Because you're spending more time on the things you can control, it's pushing out the attention you have on things you cannot control. Most people spend a lot of time thinking about what they can't control that they feel has pushed them to where they are, which removes their ability to have a choice or a belief. And those people are the same people who are cynical about the world, who are resentful of other people, and they're perpetuating the same story in their head that I was when I was an addict, which means this is just how it is and there's nothing I can really do about it. When you have that hinge moment, when you finally believe like, hey, like, I do have a choice, like where I am, what I'm doing, who I'm with, the career I'm in, the path I'm on, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. When you realize that you actually have a choice, then you also realize that you are the reason if you are going to stay where you are, that it's, it's you. Like it's not anybody else. It's not something else that's going on or some other circumstance or this and that. Like you have a choice. And that's what I, the reason this story is so powerful to me is like, you can change. Like you don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to continue down the path that you're on. And the biggest struggle is you may believe it's the only path that there is. You may believe that it's the only thing that there is. You may believe it's the only option to you, but that's just not true. You have the ability to change. You have the ability to choose differently to be somewhere else, to be somebody different. I see it in the gym. I see it in sobriety. I see it in relationships. I see it so many places all along the way. The ability to impact a story truly starts at the moment that you believe you have a choice. And that's what my dad did when he kicked me out. That's what, when, when he told me I had to go, he imparted that to me, that belief that I had a choice that the next move, the next thing was my responsibility. So whenever I talk to anybody who's like interested in change, what I listen for is do they believe that they have a choice or are they just telling me about how they feel like they're stuck and there is no other option? That simple language can show me what someone believes. And then there's still days where I catch myself doing this, of uh, talking about what's possible and what's not. And when I really look back over the last 12 years, I can see so many times where I had some sort of constraint created by me about when I looked at something or thought about a certain situation or a certain outcome or a certain potential outcome and then now I look back in hindsight and I'm like, man, like I just totally missed because my belief was that there was no choice, like that it wasn't possible. But now I look back and man, I really believe like all things are possible. Like, so when I sit here and say this, if you're listening, when I say like, you have a choice, I, I, I say that with the, the same power that my dad told me that like, you have a choice, like you don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to keep living the way you're living. Your current reality does not have to be your future reality. And it starts with believing that that's possible. It just simply starts with believing that you have a choice as a starting point. 
Does it mean things are going to change overnight? No. Does it mean that you're not going to have times where you don't believe? No. It just means that you are presented with something that keeps you from staying stuck where you are. The simple belief that you have a choice, that things can be different, it allows you to open up to the possibility, which allows you to walk into the possibility. So um, that's what happened when my dad kicked me out. It, it changed my life. It's one of the most profound moments of time. And I look back to that story often. You know, my dad's not here anymore. My dad died in 2013. And I'm sure over time I'll share many more stories about him. But this is the one, like when I look back at my dad and who he was, he was a flawed human being. But this, when he said that, and then the way he acted for the following four years proved to me you know, that he really meant what he said was you have a choice. You either got to get help or you got to get out of here. And he backed that up by his actions. Every time I was 100% on changing, he was 100% supporting. Anytime I was still trying to live the way I currently had been living, he wasn't about it at all. And so not only did he say that to me, but he lived in a way that showed me that it was true. And so that's that's part of the reason why I do what I do, or at least look at the world the way I do, is I want to impart that to other people, to, to just simply make you aware that you have a choice. If that's all I ever do, is make you aware that you have a choice and you don't have to stay the same, then I will have done my job. Because there's so many places that things that won't do that. I wanna tell you that you have a choice and you can change. All right, guys, thanks again for listening. Um, thank you for your attention. It means a lot. And if you want, please leave a five-star review or a comment. Share this out if you found it meaningful. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next week.